0: Welcome to Nursing Uncharted, a space to explore the rawness, realness, and boundless possibilities of nursing. Each episode, I'm sitting down with nurses to share our experiences from the field and hope to bring you laughter and inspiration as you navigate this demanding yet fulfilling profession. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a guest. And let's get started with this episode. What's up, everybody? This is Maggie Reichardt, and welcome back to Nursing Uncharted. Thank you guys so much for listening. And before we get started, I just wanted to let you guys know AMN is giving away prizes right now just for applying and following them on Instagram. Head over to their Instagram at Nurse. click the link in their bio, and then click your passport to New Horizons. If you fill out their checklist for getting started, um, you can win Amazon gift, gift cards and new scrubs and a lot of great stuff. So head on over there if you are interested in traveling. We have a great episode for you today. This episode is going to split its focus into a couple different topics, which we haven't done before. So the first focus will be on float pool nursing or staffing resource nursing, which is kind of like the hospital's set of permanent travel nurses. And the second focus is going to be on nurse educators, specifically in classroom and clinical instructing. So here to shed light on these avenues of nursing is Irene Agahoa, the nurse who does them both. Irene has been a nurse for 13 years now. Her educational background includes a BA in biology, a BSN in nursing, an MSN in education, and a postgraduate master's degree in public health. Her clinical background includes adult acute care in cardiovascular thoracic nursing and medical surgical nursing, long-term care, clinical inpatient case management, and nursing education. So Irene, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Maggie. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> thank, you for, yeah. thank you for having me. I'm
0: honored. I've- Absolutely. Irene and I used to work together in the float pool and float pools don't generally, you don't normally get to work with people, other people in the float pool, but COVID units are normally staffed with like all float pool nurses. So we were
2: able to work together a few times. That is correct. <laughs> so I'm happy to be talking to you today.
1: Likewise, Maggie. Bring it on, girl. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yes. So, Nurses
0: know what a float pool nurse, and we may use float pool and staffing resource or SRO interchangeably in this episode, but we know what SRO nurses do because it's the same job expectation as floor nurses, but not many people know or understand what being in the SRO is actually like or how it might differ from floor nursing. So can you explain just some of the background details of being in the SRO?
1: So for clarification, SRO stands for Staffing Resource Office. um, Office. Mm. So pretty Mm. much it's a resource of nurses from a variety of backgrounds. You have Mm -hmm. acute care nurses like myself, you have ICU nurses, Mm -hmm. you even have ancillary staff like companions, uh, you know, uh, patient care associates, or they call them CNAs now, Mm -hmm. you know, so pretty much, you know, our role is to help staff and support other units, including mm-hmm. the emergency department. So mm-hmm. I'm specifically an acute care nurse. So I get mm-hmm. to flow to acute care units.
0: Yeah. yeah. And what? how do you normally get your daily assignment? Because normally in floor nurses, they will just come to the unit, but it's a little different with SRO.
1: Absolutely. It's different from SRO. So um, my understanding is that with SRO there's different levels of staffing. We have travel nurses, we have people who are full-time with SRO. I personally am part-time or what's called wage. Um, mm-hmm. So we utilize the resource Kronos. We go in there, mm-hmm. we create our own schedule as long as we meet the minimum requirements. So mm-hmm. we have we go by schedule periods and these schedule periods are six weeks. And yeah. so the minimum requirement is as long as you work 72 hours. Obviously, with COVID, those requirements increased. They used to be 36. Mm-hmm. They doubled it because of the increase in staffing needs and demands. Oh, I didn't
0: know that. Yeah.
1: So Even for part-time? Even for wage, Yes. We are all required now to do 72 hours in that six-week period. And that includes two weekends. And then we also have to fill in for holidays, both mm-hmm. minor and major holidays, so we just mm-hmm. go into Chronos, put in our schedule. Um me being a nurse at the kid right now full time. Um I just work Saturdays right now. It works for me because that way okay. I'm able to meet my requirements and I'm able to meet the weekend requirements as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. Gosh, that's got to be so tough because I was just thinking about that cuz I mean when you're uh, you're part time because you have the second job and now that you have to have this minimum seventy two hours is it's a
1: lot. Two weeks,
2: it's two weeks essentially, or four.
1: Um. Yeah, so it depends like on how you do time. it. Like for me, I work every Saturday right now, so mine is stretched the whole six weeks. But you know, someone else. I see. Okay. I, I mean, and I've done this when I have time off from from PVCC. I worked three shifts back to back, and I was able to have a couple of weeks off here and there. I even at some point had a six week um, vacation stretch of time. So okay, yeah, as long as you meet the requirements in that six week window. Sure. How you okay. how you do it is up to you. Is a, is up to you. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. What is the chain of command like? Like, do you have how often do you see managers? Like, do you guys have meetings or anything, or is it pretty, you know, like just individual-based?
1: Absolutely, Maggie. Good question. So right now with SRO, I believe we have about three to four managers and each manager covers uh, a certain group of staff. So for Mm -hmm. me, being an Mm -hmm. acute care SRO nurse, I have a manager that manages us. We have another manager that manages the uh, critical care nurses. And then we have another manager that covers uh, ancillary staff, health unit Mm. um, coordinators are HOCs, you know, the patient care companions and the CNAs. Okay. Um, So obviously the managers are our first line um, in the chain of command. And Mm -hmm. to my understanding, we also have a director as well.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Cool. What do you think are some of the major differences between nursing in the float pool and floor nursing in regards to our nursing experiences. I mean, I know that we kind of talked about, you know, how SRO nurse has been affected by nursing shortages and that's kind of our, like, speak to that a little bit.
1: Um, yeah. SRO has definitely been impacted by the nursing shortage and so has all health organizations, including floor nursing or floor nurses. Mm-hmm. In my perception, yeah. the major difference is as a float nurse, you're floating around to different units. Um, as a floor nurse, you get to belong to a particular unit and a particular yeah. unit culture. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest difference. So, yeah, um, I kind of see both as distinctive in its own way, and it's a matter of individual preference and needs.
0: Yeah. Very true. I mean, because right now, some a lot of people are looking to kind of break away from that unit culture, and I feel like you can find that in the SRO. Like, if you're looking for a little bit more autonomy, you know, freedom, just just to like make your own schedule, like just do your twelve hours and go home. Exactly. Exactly. Or if you have a second job, like you, I mean, if you know, just being able to kind of make that work for your schedule.
1: Absolutely. So you hit the right notes, Maggie. It def- Being a float nurse definitely gives me that autonomy uh, to manage both being uh, an acute care float nurse and a faculty. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yep.
0: Do you feel like SRO nurses are kind of subjected to difficulties of the hospital more so than floor nurses just because you know, you, pre- you are going to the
2: units that are sh- the shortest staffed that day.
1: Maggie, that's an interesting question. I think it also depends on the angle with which you're looking at it. Um, mm-hmm. I would, <laughs> it, it goes both ways. I think, mm-hmm. I think that floor nurses have their challenges and I think that float nurses have their challenges. And what's mm-hmm. common is that you're a nurse and you're experiencing mm-hmm the shortage, we're all experiencing what COVID is doing, the challenges that COVID brings. Um, I feel like as a floor nurse, of course, you are attached to a particular unit, you have strings. So there are certain yeah. expectations to the organization itself, um, as mm-hmm. opposed to being a float nurse, you're not attached to a particular unit. So there's a little more mm-hmm. of autonomy and flexibility. Mm-hmm. but i think either way we're all going through the same challenges um you know nationwide yeah yeah
0: yeah that's very true i just figure i don't know i sometimes so when i was in the sro i was in the sro for maybe 6 months or so and i felt like you know every day you, you kind of are i mean you go to the unit that requires that had call outs that are having you know, low retention rates. that And you kind of will go to the same ones over and over. I guess in our case, in my case, I was in SRO the six months that COVID was surging. And so I was in the COVID units most of the time. But I feel like floor nurses are kind of shielded from that in a sense that if you're not on one of those units, you know, I think as an SRO, you, you kind of have to be okay with that kind of chaos that might come with,
2: the short staffing that you're experiencing on a day-to-day. That's
1: true, Maggie, but I also spoke with floor nurses. I mean, they were having a the difficulty. They were floating them as yeah. well. I mean, I met floor nurses that were coming to spew, And when I say spew, special pathogens unit yeah. or to the COVID mm-hmm. unit. I mean, and and they were floating to the ED, like wherever they were needed. So that's what I'm saying is that regardless of whether you were a nurse or a floor nurse, We all experienced the challenges. Um, And from what I also learned from floor nurses, is that for those of them that that uniculture meant a lot, that just that whole Mm -hmm. floating around and moving around and, you know, changes in the staffing population and all that, it really disrupted that uniculture. And there were nurses that took that very personally.
0: Yeah. I remember that before I started travel nursing, I hated floating. It was like I would be so upset because yeah, it does, you're right. It disrupts that. It disrupts your whole day. Like you don't know how another place works, and you know it's it's a completely different. You you're going and thinking you're gonna have one day, and then you have something completely different. Exactly. And if you're not
2: used to that, then it can like ruin your whole day.
1: Exactly, and I think another challenge, one challenge about being a float nurse. Is that you're coming to a unit and you're you're foreigners into that unit, and yeah. you know there were different there are different degrees of acceptance. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some units were more welcoming uh, than others, and and then also the team collaboration also varied as well.
0: Yeah. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to ask. Do you feel like SRO sometimes gets a little bit
2: harder assignments? Sometimes, like, what's your been, what's your experience been with that? That's a
1: good question, Maggie. I have experienced a mixture of it. I have had experiences where I'll go to a unit and I am given a different assignment because I'm not uh, an expert nurse in that patient population. So an example is if I floated to like a neural unit, they wouldn't assign me to a patient that's on continuous, you know, monitoring because- EEG. EEG, thank you. Yes, exactly. Or if I floated to an oncology unit, I wouldn't be able to give chemotherapy drugs. So the assignments will be different. Exactly and there were other times that I would experience that because I was that outside nurse coming in I might have a more challenging uh, assignment from you know the indigent nurses on that unit but yeah. regardless of what it is uh, as an individual nurse I've always told myself regardless of what it is stay positive be open do what I got to mm-hmm. do engage in team collaboration regardless embrace it and do you know yeah. do what I got to do be professional
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I've seen a mixture too. I've definitely, I, you know, I've been charged on on inpatient acute care units before, and you are required to like, you know, give those specialized patients the nurses that are specialized in that. But sometimes there were patients who have been there like long term, or they've been rotated because they are like manipulative or dangerous or whatever the case. And you find yourself maybe getting those patients that have to be offloaded. To the floor staff. Correct. And like that was always kind of, you know, I mean, it's necessary, but at the same time, when you're floating every day, it's like, are you getting those patients that the nurses were trying to offload every day <laughs> to different places?
2: Like, that's exhausting. Absolutely.
0: We want to take a quick break from this episode to talk about the industry leader in travel nurse staffing, American Mobile. Combining the largest network of facilities and providers in the country with top-level benefits like higher earning potential, premium health insurance, and 401k matching, American Mobile puts you in the driver's seat of your travel nursing career. Make sure to visit AmericanMobile.com today to discover a world of adventure with American Mobile. That's AmericanMobile.com, the first step towards your next travel nursing adventure. In, what are, you, in your opinion, are some of the, well, we kind of talked about some advantages and disadvantages of float pool nursing, like. but let's expand on that. I mean, having the freedom to make your own schedule, you know, working the hours that you want, um, not being tied down to any expectations. Um, do you have any kind of stories maybe that like just kind of enhance like, advantages of SRO or maybe the opposite disadvantages of
1: SRO? Um, wow, Maggie, you put him in the hot seat here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've pretty much touched on, uh, generally, on the advantages of being an SRO or float nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the challenge, I, I, I don't want to say disadvantage really, uh, one of the challenges is you don't know what unit you're gonna get floated to. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you agree with me, Maggie, is that as a nurse, we all have our preference on on certain patient populations. Like me, I'm um, med surge, cardiac, you know, thoracic. Yeah. Um, so of mm-hmm. course, when I'm floated to a newer unit, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> like goodness. don't don't uh, give me those patients. Yeah, don't <laughs> give me those patients. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you know you, you do the best you can under those uh, circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- another challenge is I did have an experience where I had started an assignment on the unit and then halfway through, they're like, okay, Irene, you need to we need to pull you off this unit and go to yeah. another unit. That can be frustrating because yeah. you've, you've started your day, you've acclimatized to the unit and and, and the acuity of the patients you're dealing with. And then you know, it's disrupted now you have to go to another unit learn a different patient assignment and get yeah. into that flow again so that that's definitely uh a challenge that comes mm-hmm. with being a float nurse um but yeah. I understand again that that's what our major role is is to meet um acute needs uh yeah. you know yeah so yeah yep yeah, like, acute staffing needs so yeah yeah I forgot about that too
0: like
2: Yeah. That's, that's, that's you. That's,
0: you're the float,
2: you know? (laughs) Exactly.
0: But it can be, you know, we try, I feel like floor nurses like charges, they try not to do that. But I mean, when there's a need, there's a need, like, like you said. So I feel like you have to be, if you want to be in the SR, you have to just roll with the punches and be very versatile.
1: Absolutely. You You hit the nail on the head, Maggie. You have to be versatile and be prepared for anything. Um, but recently I've been pre-assigned to a particular unit. I've been doing charge there. So that's been good. I've not had to float around much.
0: Okay. Is it, so yeah, what's, are, is SRO still staffing the COVID units yes. pretty much? Yeah, because yeah. as
1: you know, the COVID cases are rising again, especially with mm-hmm. the variants. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's COVID I know.
0: man. <laughs> I
2: know. here we go
1: again. Like, I know.
2: Yeah, and
0: this time we're not gonna get to work together because we're in the ICU now. I
2: yeah, but it's. I, do we still just have one unit open
1: um, where we're at? So my understanding right now for the acute COVID patients, mm-hmm. there's one unit, and then there's another one which is the overflow. And that particular one, sometimes from what I'm understanding, part of it is acute and part of it is also ICU for the overflow from the COVID ICU unit.
0: I see. Okay. Well, because from the ICU point, we have our whole unit is no longer medical ICU. It's all COVID and all of our medical ICU patients are being diverted to other ICUs. And then we just opened up a second um, floor for overflow patients for that. So we may have four right now, Wow, three
2: or four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's back, man. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Yes. Have you ever,
0: um, I mean, SRO obviously works for you right now. Have you ever like considered moving over to floor nursing or do you think that SRO, like you like
1: where you're at? I think for now I'm happy with being an SR nurse because like you hit the nail on the head, um I'm happy with the autonomy that it gives me considering mm-hmm. that I'm also a full time faculty. So yeah. Yeah. It gives me that flexibility that I need right now. Um maybe in the future I might change my mind and go back to being a floor nurse, but right now this is good this is working for me. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of people are looking for that right now, like looking for a job that's working for them rather than something that they have to like fit their mold to, you know? And so SRO just has seemed like very attractive in that way. Um, It certainly was for me. You know,
2: but I mean, there's, there's a give and take, there's pros and cons for both.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. And that's why I said earlier, right? It's a matter of individual preference and needs. What, what suits your schedule right now as an individual Mm -hmm. nurse? Mm Yeah.
0: Let's get into nurse education and instructing. So you are a nurse educator for undergraduate nursing students, right? That's correct. And are you doing both classroom and clinical right now?
1: Yes, that is correct. Um, okay, doing both classroom, which we call theory or didactic, and then also clinical instruction.
0: Okay, and I haven't been to nursing school for, you know, a while now. But we were talking about before how about schools are using a new method of curriculum called concept-based curriculum. Can you just explain what that is and how it's different than? what used
2: to be taught?
1: Absolutely, so um, we transitioned from the traditional curriculum, uh, which we felt mimicked very much the medical model um, and transitioned Mm. to a concept-based curriculum, which is a lot more nursing friendly. Um, So now we took the information from pretty much looking at it from systems point of view. And now we're looking at it in terms of concepts. And so it's more digestible right now for students and it's easier for us faculty to teach as well. And also mm-hmm. clinically as nurses, we've been doing this. we you know, when we're dealing with a patient we apply concepts, it's like, okay, oxygenation communication, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we just brought that ideology to the classroom and it's really okay. making a lot more sense for the students. It's me. So what? So
0: what type of like name some of the classes that that are that you're doing now?
1: Okay, so that I'm
2: specifically teaching in, or or like that's part of this concept based curriculum. So all the
1: classes right now uh, are, are part of this concept based. Um, you remember, Maggie, in that time when we were in nursing school, we took pharmacology as a standalone course. Mm-hmm. And this concept-based uh, curriculum, uh, pharmacology is no longer a standalone course. It's now like broken into concepts and applied with each course as it mm-hmm. applies to the particular course uh, so, for example, right now, I'm coordinating and teaching health assessment. So, we're learning in concepts, okay. communication, oxygenation, sensory perception, things like that. Um, wow. Yeah. That's so different. I know. And and, <laughs> and Maggie, would you agree with me, for example, the concept of oxygenation, would you agree that regardless of the course that you're taking, that oxygenation applies to everything?
0: I mean, yeah. 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 It- It definitely does.
2: That's going to be interesting. I wonder how we can
0: kind of evaluate the, you know, teaching strategy for nurses that are going to be coming in, you know, like how they think differently. You know, I feel like it's, it's really easy for nursing, like new grad nurses to be like very, like, I don't know, cut and dry and textbook and task oriented. And I wonder if that's going to help.
1: I think it it's helps. Yeah, I think it helps. I mean, I've, I've spoken to students about it and generally, uh, you know, they said yes, that they feel that this new concept-based curriculum is helpful. It's more digestible. It's more practical. So yeah, yeah we're seeing right. great results with it. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like, so? so you'll have like one whole course on
1: oxygenation? Not the whole course, but there will be concepts in each course. You could have the concept of oxygenation in multiple courses. Okay. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. So then I'm get so I'm just curious as to what like how the courses are structured, like what the like do you still structure it like women's health? Absolutely. Pediatrics. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: We still do it that way, but we just learn it in concepts.
2: Okay. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. Or teach it in concepts.
0: Yeah. That's, it's like such a, I can't even like wrap my head around. I'll have to like go to a class or something. Yeah. To understand like how, how I'm sure that it's taught so differently than how I was taught like 10 years ago.
1: It's the same material. Sure, sure. Broken down in concepts. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Because that's, I mean, the things that would stick in
0: school was like how you would apply it. Exactly. Like, So I feel like, you know, that teaching strategy must be, just must help students like really nail in like what they're trying to understand when you're thinking about it concept-wise. Exactly. Can you explain some of the background setup of what your role as a nursing professor might entail? Like how much goes goes into, you know, classroom and clinical instruction behind the scenes?
1: Absolutely, so uh, for example, as a course coordinator, uh, you know, gotta make sure the course is developed to meet the students' needs, looking at the curriculum, the course schedule, the concepts, uh, the structure, the overall structure of the class, making sure that objectives are met, meeting with other faculty. Um, We look at our schedules, workload, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, putting students into sections, um, at the organization where I work, you know, we have day court versus evening weekend courts, making sure that we have an appropriate number in each section or in each court. Um, uh, mm-hmm. we also engage in professional development. You know, we have to stay current in what we do. Um, right. Uh, And then also making sure that we're meeting accreditation standards, you know, we deal with the Virginia Board of Nursing, we're dealing with ASAN, um, so Mm. things like that. and then making sure that we're meeting students' needs, and of course, sometimes you know we might have students that present with challenging situations, and it's like, okay, as a faculty body, how do we sup- best support the students, and mm. what is his or our, or her's best options under the circumstances and things like that. Yep.
2: Yeah. How often is class m- meeting now?
1: So it depends on the course. Um, so for example, with health assessment that I'm coordinating and teaching right now, we meet, um, twice a week. Um, another course, fundamental skills. I think they also meet twice a week. I think most, most of the nursing classes meet twice a week and then we have a professional course that is pretty much, um, asynchronous, you know, it's online, Mm -hmm. completely Mm -hmm. online. Yeah. So I, I think from my understanding, most, all the courses right now meet twice a week.
2: Okay. Okay. Good.
0: What, what's the setup like, like how different is it now versus how it
2: was last year? So much better, Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cause I think
0: when we were working together, that's what was happening. It was all online and you're like, this is a mess.
1: Yes. <laughs> As you know, Maggie, nursing naturally is a profession that's based on really heavily hands-on skills. Um, You know, students able to have that interaction face-to-face with their instructors or faculty and having that hands-on. And so, of course, last year when COVID hit and we had to teach remotely, it didn't feel natural at all. It didn't teach, I said, sorry, it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel practical at all. Can you imagine yeah. teaching a course like health assessment? Yeah. That's majorly hands-on and and having to do it <laughs> By Zoom, yeah, yeah. It, it,
0: How do you even do? Like, what does that even look like? Like, you know, you you're checking somebody's
2: eyes, and you're you know have them raise their eyebrows and checking their lungs. It, I mean, would they have to use their roommates? Like, that's exa-
1: <laughs> and it's it's interesting, Maggie. That's what we had to do. We had to Zoom our classes, lecture, and then we had the students record their assessments, and that's what they were doing. They were they were doing uh, it in their mm-hmm. their rooms or whatever setting worked for them. It, it was challenging, yeah. both for yeah. students and faculty. It, it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel practical, you know? So yeah. being able to come back to in-person status uh, or at least hybrid where there could be a couple of classes that are done remotely or asynchronously as an online, huge, significant difference.
0: <laughs> yep. I'm sure the kids love it so much more too, because I'm sure it was frustrating. Like they're
2: probably little Things that you just, little obstacles every day
1: that you had to move past. Absolutely. And there's nothing like, you know, as a faculty being there, more accessible to students in person and the students love this as well, to be able to get that one-on-one faculty guidance, um, especially when it comes to like skills, you know, skills lab, it makes a significant difference.
0: Yeah, how do you even do skills over
2: on? Was there any courses that you were like, this is going to be too difficult
1: to do yes.
0: over Zoom? Yes.
1: Yeah. There was one in particular, and it was skills, fundamental skills yeah. that they had to, regardless, they had to come on campus and do those skills.
0: Okay. Yep. Yeah. I was going to be like, there's no way. Because you're so right. It's, it's all so hands on. Yes. We're talking about, you know, <laughs> patient interaction and like (laughs) communication with people. And like, this is just not the medium that you can like really learn that on.
1: Exactly. But, you know, thank God for the option of simulation. Uh, That became Mm -hmm. uh, an effective optional uh, learning uh, modality for students. However, you know, the the Board of Nursing restricted how much simulation uh, students had to have. And that makes sense, Uh, you know, because simulation is a great uh, supplemental way of learning, but it's still not real life, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Um, We had to, yeah, we had to prioritize depending on what semester the student was in, which group got to actually go out there and have hands on versus those who had to do some simulation.
0: Yeah. Did were they still allowed to go to clinical?
1: Yes. Last year? Yes. Okay. So that's what I'm saying, like, depending on the semester, there was a semester where we had to prioritize the first years going in person to Mm. clinical. And then there was another semester where we had to prioritize the seniors, right? The second years going to clinical,
0: Mm.
1: especially, and that was uh, for the seniors, it was their practicum. That was, they had to go to clinical and get that practical experience. They're about to graduate, you know, that's critical. And then for the first years in their first semester, they had to have that fundamental uh, skills experience.
0: Okay. Gotcha. How, I'm curious to know what the mindset of students are right now, like after seeing everything, you know, kind of unfold last year and and then also being affected by it in class, you know, what have you felt like in your experience, like, are you losing students right now? Like, are they withdrawing from the program or are they staying in? Like, what's their, what's their mindset right now?
1: Student so retention has definitely been challenging. Um, yeah, we've lost some students. COVID is rough. It's been yeah. tough on everybody. Um So yeah, we've lost some students because of that. Um, especially when we're remote. I mean, yeah, people are dealing with a lot. They got kids, jobs and other personal stuff going on, absolutely, and then now we're still dealing with COVID, and then we have the the issue, you know, the um, issue of vaccination. Um, mm. So of course, as you know, people have personal uh, ideology on vaccination, so mm-hmm. that has also been uh, a piece of it.
0: A challenge, a challenge,
1: yeah. and, and you know, being a nursing student, uh, you know, our uh, stakeholders, uh, you know, clinical facilities are mandating that students must be fully vaccinated, and it's understandable mm-hmm. because we need to be able to minimize uh, risk, right, of infection, yeah. um, protect the students, protect everybody, um, yeah, their families, their loved ones. So,
0: yeah, so are they? are they changing majors altogether or are they like leaving the university altogether?
1: I've seen students who just leave completely and Mm. some would
2: change majors. Yep. Yeah. I feel like you have such an
0: important role right now because even more so after last year in regards to retaining students, because, you know, you're seeing like you still work in the hospital and you're, the ones teaching this new batch of of students. I mean, do you feel like your role has as an instructor like shifted at all? Being like, it's a wonderful
2: profession. It's <laughs> <Like> still.
0: <laughs> I know it looks
1: bad. <laughs> um, being an educator right now is. I mean, there, it's it's challenging. They, we have to be more adaptive. We have to be more mm-hmm. innovative, creative. Because we are teaching in an era of a pandemic right now. You're also Mm -hmm. dealing with students that could be having a lot more going on, right? Um, And you have to be creative in the way that you're, not that you were not creative before, but now, you know, you have to. Of course. Exactly. Even more so now um, that we have to teach under these uh, kinds of modalities. So absolutely, that's been a challenge Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, the beauty of being an educator and a clinician is that, you know, I get to live in both worlds and these worlds, you know, they're codependent on each other. um, Yeah. Right. So educators, we are relied upon to graduate competent nursing graduates, right. To go into the workforce, uh, stakeholders, um, health facilities, and organizations uh, depending on us to graduate competent nurses. And then on the other hand, we're also dependent on them for clinical sites, right? Um, to train yeah. these students and then also for job offerings when they graduate. So there's yeah. that co-dependence going on. And then as an educator, as an individual, I love that I'm both an educator and a clinician because uh, being a nurse clinician, I get to keep my skills going and that's part mm-hmm. of what i like about being a float nurse is that diverse experience i get to bring that back didactically to the classroom share my experience with the students students love that practicality when you're able to like tell them real life stories yeah. <laughs> right that are relatable to the topic and all that so it's it's really good
2: i love it i i feel like you're a great I mean, you're a great person to bridge that gap
0: between what you teach in textbook and then clinical, you know, your clinical experience. Like, have you gotten into situations where you've disagreed with what the textbook says and you're like, okay, am I going to teach them what it's really like? Or if I'm going to say what the
1: textbook? Oh, yeah. And these students are so smart and we're getting more and more diverse uh, group of students from different backgrounds. And by backgrounds, I mean educational and, and different um, racial backgrounds and so on. So they're all unique. They're coming to the table with different uh, background experience. And of course, you know, the challenges are there, um, but it's also nice because they're bringing a lot to the table. And I'm telling you, if there's a discrepancy in the textbook, they're pointing it out to you like, hey, professor, <laughs> what's with this statement over here? And as you know, you know, textbooks, sometimes errors that happen. Yeah. So as faculty, it's important, just like in the clinical realm, right, Maggie? We need mm. to always stay professionally competent through continuing education. And as you know, yeah. nursing is based on evidence-based practice. So as educators too, we're always staying as Uh, On top of things, right? Current as possible. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. absolutely making sure that the information in the textbook is as up to date as possible. We don't recommend textbooks that are beyond five years to students. And when there's a discrepancy, we definitely uh, address it, let the students know. This is not correct. It could be a typo or whatever. And even yeah. sometimes referring to the publisher and, you know, letting them know that, look, there's a mistake here and all that. Right.
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
0: I'll be, it'll be interesting when, you know, five years from now when we have like COVID textbooks.
2: I know. <laughs> yeah.
0: exactly. like do the, are they, are, last year, like did, you know, when they did, what's the class, apps or clinical um, applications or critical care? Did they teach COVID at all? Or, I mean, did they kind of rope that in with arts? Ah,
1: Maggie, it's so interesting you say that. So this spring that passed, I usually coordinate and teach a course that's advanced med And this past mm. spring, what I did was I created a project for the students. We covered the concept. Speaking of concept of oxygenation, we covered arts. And okay. I incorporated COVID into it and the students appreciated it, case studies. So that's part of the creativity and the innovation that I'm talking about that a faculty has to keep yeah. doing. And they loved it. It was practical. It was applicable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure they loved it.
0: They're like, all this huge thing is going on right now. Everyone is learning about it. Like, let's learn about it too. Exactly. That's great that you did that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was good. Um, and I'm telling you, as faculty, we learn from the students as well. They're so bright. And like I said, they come mm-hmm. from diverse backgrounds. It's just amazing. I strongly believe that education learning is a collaborative process between faculty and, and and students.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it has to be. I'm sure that, I mean, there was so much information coming at us last year about like new things. I'm sure you were like, you know, students were like, well, I saw this. Exactly. You're like, oh. Exactly. Like, I should look that up too. Exactly. How is it like balancing both jobs? I mean, I feel like you have so many hats, you have a full pool hat, nursing educator hat, like what is it like to
1: manage both jobs? Uh, great question, Maggie. I think generally nurses, right? Um, we, we wear many hats. That's the beauty of the profession, the flexibility that comes with it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it, it can be challenging but like I said, I enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. and time management is very critical. Yeah. And I think it's always, it's an ever evolving skill for anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have to constantly manage my time (laughs) between being an educator and, and being a nurse clinician, uh, and, and as an educator, sometimes bringing the work home, grading, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And preparing for lecture and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But I think what's really important is, do you enjoy your job? Yeah. Because when you enjoy your job, regardless of the challenge, you just kind of go with the floor of it. So I enjoy being an educator and I enjoy being a nurse clinician. So even though I'm wearing these different hats, I enjoy it. I embrace the challenges that come with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I know you're so busy.
1: <laughs> Love <laughs> it. I'd so rather be busy, busy than idle. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. I don't know what to do with myself on my time <laughs> off. Every every day that I have off, I'm, I, I instantly fill it with, you know, Something all to of these do. Things. I yeah, I'm like I I wish that I had more idle time, but at the same time I don't know how to be anything else.
1: I think it's that nursing you, Maggie, you know, you're just constantly busy and engaging yourself with something. It's that professional nursing you. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, well, I think that we've covered the topics that we want to cover. Is there anything else that you feel like we should cover?
1: Maggie, I think that this has been great. I think you hit uh, critical points. I think people Need to hear how the pandemic is impacting nurses, um, nursing as a profession, and the nurses, um, especially mm. as a float or travel or or floor nurse, um, and in both settings, academic and and clinical, because there's shortages going on. It's impacting everyone. And yeah. um, I really want to thank you for in, in partnering with EMN and creating this platform, uh, you know, for a voice, for, uh, you know, nurses to to speak and, and for a voice on, on, on what's going on. Thank you so much. I, I really feel honored to be part of this process.
0: Well, I'm really happy to have you on and to talk about both of these things. You know, they're both very, you know, I know float nursing is a very attractive position right now. And also, you know, nurse education is a route that a lot of people are interested in. And so it was great to hear about both and it was great to talk to you again. I miss that we don't get to work together anymore, but hopefully we'll get to see each other at work soon. I know uh, you're probably
2: just a floor under cause we're both working COVID right now, so.
1: Likewise, Maggie, I miss working with you, but <laughs> hey, you know what? We're always gonna be in contact, right? And yep. um, I'm sure sometime in the clinical realm, we'll probably cross paths again.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'll have to come downstairs. Yes, that's right.
1: I could <laughs> come downstairs or you could come up either way, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think we're going to end it here. But thank you so much
2: for coming on and talking to me today. Thank and you will so will talk much to much you soon. Thank you for having me, Maggie. See you around. All right. Take care
0: brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Nursing Uncharted. To learn more about today's episode, make sure to explore the show notes at AmericanMobile.com nursinguncharted And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit AmericanMobile.com to explore the largest database of travel nursing jobs in the industry and the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Also, a special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Schraubin and Sam McKay, and Aidan Dykes for the music and editing. Until next time, take care of yourself.